Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Morgan Cleveland. Morgan is a financial educator who believes that financial literacy is the key to building and maintaining wealth. Her biggest motivators are her, two children, who push her to be better daily. Throughout her entrepreneurial journey, she's been able to help dozens of people gain more knowledge about how money works, and she plans on helping hundreds more. Morgan, welcome to the space. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will learn how to uh, change my profile because I promise my name is not CVM. <laughs> it's okay. It's somehow it does that at times, but um, when people just, but whatever, I'm glad you're here. So I just, I read the littlest bit about you. So can you please tell everybody a little bit more about who you are? Surely. So, hey, everybody, my name is Morgan Cleveland. I am a financial educator. Um, I'm also a mom. I'm married. I'm from Ohio. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I just love helping people um, however I can. Um, and I've really found that financial literacy is one of those things that can really help people be able to get to the other side um, and achieve a lot of those goals that we, you know, that we have that we don't know exactly how we're going to get there. Um, so that's really what I do. I love to act as that, as that bridge to help people like to stand in the gap of that. Yeah, helps people get to the other side. You're the bridge. I love it. This is going to be a great conversation. So before we dive in to the official, official questions, I'm going to give you a would you rather question. So Morgan, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So Morgan, would you rather only be able to celebrate Christmas or your birthday? Mm. That's a good question. I don't know. I would say my birthday because I celebrate God every day. Mm, there yeah. we go. Like he's a big part of when you do have a birthday. Like it's kind of like being reborn. You know what I mean? Because it puts you into a reflective state. 
Um, so I think that's great versus everybody just being in like a holly jolly spirit for like three weeks and then it's over. Like <laughs> you're coming, everybody's like, all right, we're done with that. Um, so so yeah, I would I would prefer my birthday because it's more of a, a personal thing versus it being about, you know, everybody else's, you know, kind of attitude towards it. I love it. Wow. Yeah. See, it's I agree too. I agree. Well, I'm Jewish, but um, I I agree in the I've learned to appreciate birthdays more as I've gotten older. I was always kind of very shy about it and not kind of like, let's not make a big deal about it. Some people have birthday weeks. Some people have birthday months. Um, I just never I was always kind of like, oh, it's not a big deal. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, I felt more comfortable in my own body about it. Yes, yes, yes. As I've gotten, I can definitely understand that. Like, cause growing up, you know, we have birthday parties and whatnot, but nobody actually makes it like a big deal. But once you become an adult and you start getting like serious about stuff, you like your birthday starts being a time of reflection. Speaking of birthdays, very funny that you asked that question because my birthday is actually next Tuesday. <gasps> Happy <Ooh>. birthday! <laughs> <laughs> so around this time every year, you know, same way that like. New Year's makes people think of resolutions and things they want to do differently that year. You know, it's the same way for, for your birthday a lot of times um, because you always want to make sure that you're progressing in life. You know what I mean? So it puts you in a reflective state and makes you kind of analyze, all right, let me see where I am, where I want to be. Am I on track? How am I doing? You know, all those things. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I love it. See, when I pick questions, they literally are intuitive hits. So, yeah, there we go. So happy early birthday to you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, so diving into the first official question okay. is, um, how do you define creativity? Creativity to me is just like not being stuck in a box. You know what I mean? Like if everybody is out here just you know, say if you're drawing a picture or whatever and everybody else is drawing straight lines, creativity is the one drawing circles and squigglies and you know what I mean? All type of things. Like, I think that creativity is important because we don't want, like, you don't want to be the same as somebody else, you know? So you need that creative part um, for me. So I think that creativity is definitely important. And I think that it's the thing that kind of makes you different from other people. It's how you express your your creativity, whether that's music or, you know, writing or anything. Um, and I used to do a lot of those things too. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I define um, creativity also a big part of my definition is expression, mm -hmm. which is how you show up in the world. And I love what you're saying, which is not being stuck in a box, which is this whole reason for this show that I have, which mm -hmm. is expanding the definition of creativity beyond this whole societal definition of, well, you have to know how to draw, you have to know how to paint, you have to know how to play an instrument and all these kinds of things. It's the expansion of the idea. So people can see themselves in it and see that they can be out of the box in whatever they do, be it whether how you dress, how you wear your hair, or don't wear your hair, how you wear your makeup, how you talk to people, it's in every form. Mm-hmm, very true, very, very true. Yeah, so this is what we're talking about here. So this is where I am curious. So take us on a little journey, please, of how you 
have gotten to this space of where you are of with with what you do as far as financial literacy, but on the bigger picture, being a mom and all these other aspects. Tell us a little bit more about Morgan. Okay, just me and like, or how I express my creativity with those. Just, things. just you as a person, like growing up. Let's start here. So, when you were younger, did you? Uh, were you immersed in various different things? Did you see yourself always being out of the box or were you kind of in the box and then came out of the box? Nah, I know I was always different, but <laughs> I wasn't exactly sure what it was. Um, I always wanted to do like bigger things. Like even when I was younger, I'll tell you like when I was, okay, so we were in elementary school and this is like, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, not a big politics person at all, right? Mm -hmm. But I was in elementary school and it was Bush and Romney, I think, were going Mm -hmm. against each other or something like that. And it was like the first time that I remember anyway, because I was a kid, right? Um, But it was the first time that like the country, the people chose one person, but the electoral college ended up, you know, swinging it the other way. And like, even as a kid, I was literally in elementary school, like third or fourth grade, and we're on the playground like, uh, adults, I think you guys should demand a recount because it's <laughs> not right. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, that's not that's not normal for a three or four year old. You know what I mean? So like, not a three or four, third you or fourth want, grader. Third or four, you wanted fairness. You were like, wait a minute, yeah, this isn't fair. I, this is, I was like, this makes no sense. You know what I mean? So like, I've always been one to like challenge the norms. I was really stubborn growing up. And that's also, you know, a sign of being a Taurus as well. We kind of get one thing stuck in our mind and that's what we're set on. Um, (laughs) So it's just a Taurus in me too. Um, But I was always one of those, like, I challenged a lot of, a lot of things. You know, I didn't just accept things like as they, as they were. If I saw something and I was like, nah, I don't like that. I stated, I don't like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I made sure that I like, that I exemplified that. Um, so it's just, it was, it was different. I never really, I started working when I was 15 in high school. I didn't go to the games. I wasn't going to, you know, homecoming and all that other stuff. I worked, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I did. I was like, yeah, y'all can have that you know, lollygagging thing. Let me go get this money real quick. Like, right. I, stuff to do. <laughs> I have stuff to do. I want to make some money. And yeah, yeah. But so you kind of jumped into this mindset of, I don't know if I want to say adult. I don't know if that's the right thing, but you were, you were driven at a young age. You were like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm working. You go do this playing thing, but I'm going to go work. Yeah. Because we, um, when I was, about 13, we moved from Ohio down to Louisiana with my dad. Um, so it was suddenly just me and my dad and my my younger brother. And, you know, my dad was working and doing what he's supposed to do. So it was like I was the big sister. So I kind of took on that, that role and that responsibility. Um, I've always been, like, more mature than my age. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I chalk that up a lot of times to just life experiences. You know, when you go through things early on in life, it's like, all right, I'm not a kid anymore. You know what I mean? Or I can't have this childlike mentality about everything. So I did definitely grow up um, quickly, uh, which led to me being a little bit more serious about certain things, you know, than than my peers were. You know what I mean? Like I I was the one that, you know, they knew I worked. You know what I mean? Like 
I, I worked, I got good grades because I was like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get these amazing grades. That way I can get a great scholarship so I can go to the college that I've already picked. Mm-hmm. You know, and I like picked this college when I was like a kid. I was like 12 when I decided what school I wanted to go to. Um, so, I was, you know, I knew that it was expensive and I was like, OK, I've got to do the absolute best that I can do to make sure that I position myself for that later on in life, you know? Um, And I don't think that a lot of kids think that way. You know, a lot of times kids, like, they have to be not forced, but, like, you have to be on them. Like, do your homework, get good grades, you have to study. You didn't have to tell me to study because I knew my ticket up out of here was education, you know? And the way to get that education and have somebody else pay for it was to do the best that I can do in school so they can be like, man, we've got to have that girl, you know? But that's, that's to me, my perception of that is you knew what you wanted, so you were driven. You were passionate about it. When someone doesn't have that passion or that drive or that why, then they're just, they are going to lollygag and not really doing anything about it. So yeah. you knew. So did you get into that school? I did get accepted to that school. However, financial aid still was a problem. Oh, my goodness. I literally graduated in the top 6% of my class. There were over 500 students that graduated in my class, and I graduated number like 36 or 37. So I was up there. Like, I graduated with like a 3.85. Like, it was great. And working. You know what I mean? And the school wow. I to go to was Spelman. Um, Spelman College in Georgia. It's an all women's school. Um, It's one of the top HBCUs in the country. And um, that's really where I wanted to go. But at the time, this is back in 2009, tuition was like 40 grand. Um, And I got about $20,000 in financial aid. I got scholarships. I could have went to this school out in California. They would have paid for everything. And I was like, nope, I'm going to Spelman. I don't want your stupid scholarship because it's not the Spelman. Like, I was determined. And literally, even now, like I told my husband a few weeks ago, I said, you know, when I get to where I want to be financially and I've gotten, you know, household taken care of, the kids are good, all those things. I said, I'm going back to Spelman. I probably won't use the degree for anything, but I'm going to go and get my, <laughs> I'm going to graduate from there, even if I've got to pay the 50 or 60 grand a year out of pocket myself. I'm going to do it. I love it. So you are just, this is this is your vision and you're doing it regardless. So at the time it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So did you go someplace else or college was not a thing? It just at no, that I time. Did. I did go somewhere yeah. else. Um, I ended up going to a community college um, mm-hmm. for about six months or so. Okay. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't like the the online school because I was like, I don't, I wanted to go to college, but I still wanted to work as well. It's that independence thing, right? Like, even though I lived at home with my parents and I could have just went to school full time, I was like, nah, man, I'm doing this. Like, that's that, that's that stubbornness. Um, you know, so I decided that I was going to go ahead and go to community college. I went there for about six months and then I transferred to Georgia State University. Um, And it was, it was good. Like it was a good experience, but again, life just kind of happened. And I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. And while I'm here, just taking these classes with no real major. um, Initially I went to school for 
education because I wanted to be a teacher. I've always wanted to teach. Uh, even when my brothers were little, I have three younger brothers. When we were kids, I would sit them down like in the room, <laughs> sit there, and I'm standing here like pointing at the wall, like I'm your teacher. This is what you're gonna learn. Let's do homework. Like let's do this. You know. Um, so I always wanted to be a teacher, but when I went to my first school, which was uh, Georgia Perimeter College, I think it, it's a different name now. Like, I don't know about you. This is just a quick side note. I yeah. feel old when the schools that you went to start changing. <laughs> I'm like, right. it's not even exist anymore. <laughs> if anybody knows what GPC used to be, I don't know what it is now. So um, <laughs> but it was community colleges all across Georgia. Um yeah. But I went there. I initially went for education. And then come the end of the semester, it was time for me to go in and do my observations. And I decided to go back to my old high school because I knew how it felt to be a student there. And I mm. wanted to know how it was to be a teacher. And uh, yeah, let's just say high school is not where I was led to be. Um, I went home that night and I had the worst dream that like all of the students, it wasn't all of the students, it was like five or six students. And this is in my dream now. I don't know how I knew that these five or six students were always late to class, but they were. And I was tired of it and I got frustrated and I sent the entire class to the principal's office. So I felt like that was God's way of telling me, you know, like, yes, you can be a teacher, but you need to work with people who want to be taught because high school mm. students, they don't want to be there. Most yeah. of them don't want to be there. You know what I mean? So yeah. I wanted to work with a group of people that I could make a big impact with. Um, so I decided to change from education as my major and went into business as my major. And then I was just like, I'm looking around and I'm seeing all my friends and we're all in the same business classes and we all got business majors. And I'm like, all right, y'all, what are we going to do with this when we graduate? Because it's like a thousand of us in here. And I don't think that we're all going to get a thousand jobs that are going to pay us for this field. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so yeah. I, um, I ended up just stopping uh, going. I went for about two years total. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to work because that's where it kind of leads to anyway, right? Like you go to college so that you can get this great degree and go out here and get this fantastic job. But if everybody around you is doing the same thing and nobody's getting hired anywhere, I was like, I don't think I want to keep on racking up this student loan debt. I'm just going to go out here and start making a life, you know, just start building a life. Um, and that's what I did. I started working. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that's, look, I started working. I was like, look, that's the, that's where we're going to end up anyway. So why not just skip over to that part? I don't need to have some special, you know, some special thing. Um, but a few yeah. years later, I did end up actually going back and I went for a massage therapy. Um, because my dad told me, you know, like, hey, get a trade, get a skill, you know, because you can go to school and you can get these amazing degrees. But if you don't have a trade or a skill under your belt, you're going to be kind of limited to that, you know, to that field or to that area. And it's like when you have a trade or something under your belt, that gives you a little bit more freedom. Right. So I was like, I can go to school, become a massage therapist. I can help a ton of people, you know, um, because Ohio has one of the stricter requirements for massage therapy. I figured I could go anywhere across the country and be able to practice. Mm -hmm. So I was mm -hmm. like, I want that. I want that freedom. 
You know, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to be locked into a certain thing. So I did end up going. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic happened. And then I stopped massage therapy because <laughs> you can't do a massage from six feet away safely. Um, I mean, you can. It's called Reiki. It does right. your energy. But I wasn't certified in Reiki. I went for physical touch massage, <laughs> you know, so it was a little different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I want to go back to a few things and then we're going to continue the conversation. But I really appreciate what you said about school. And first of all, I think that you weren't meant to go to Spelman until maybe later when you're more focused, mm-hmm. when, when you already have your thing. So you weren't meant to go at that time. Um, I, I just feel that and I know that for you. Yeah. Uh, but I have to say with my own two children who are 19 and 22, didn't do college um with with my son he was like he wanted to be held accountable did for a semester but like you're saying they both of our kids are like i just want to do i want to have experiences i don't want to be in this limited space not saying that college is i mean there's a lot of opportunities for people but i can say for my children it's they need to go out and experience and my son is in a position now where Five jobs later, he would have never known that he was would be in this space if he didn't have these other experiences, which led him into this. And then he found so many talents that he had, which he didn't realize that he had uh, because life kind of led him in that way. So I think it's just an important thing to note. And I'm glad that you brought it up. Yes, I think that it is, you know, life is definitely full of experiences and, you know, there's different routes out here for everybody. So anybody that's listening, like I'm not telling you like college is bad or anything because there are certain experiences that you get in college that you won't get other places. Right. But there's also a lot of experiences that we can have in life and just things that, you know, that we pick up that ends up getting us a little bit more in touch with things that we really love. Exactly. We wouldn't have known otherwise if we didn't have the experience of maybe being good at it or not good at it. Because we can have all these ideas of things and then we can kind of suck at it and be like, oh man, well, maybe I I don't want to do that. I really don't like it. I'm not good at it. Or I'm not good at it, but I want to get better at it. Mm -hmm. So these things present and then, yeah, it it kind of helps point you in a direction. But um, yeah. Let's talk about, so this topic of financial literacy and Mm -hmm. what I call this, the financial literacy, the key to building and maintaining wealth. Money, money is a big topic. So yeah, so let's talk about this a little bit. You only need it just about as much as you need air. (laughs) You know? Right. It's just up there with air. (laughs) But the way that actually that kind of visual is, yeah, we breathe air to survive. We need money to survive. But money has talked to us about when you're working with people. Well, we'll we'll figure we'll we'll see how this conversation is going to go. But I guess I want to start with how people feel with it, because how people feel determines everything, doesn't it? Yes, it definitely goes back to the mindset. That's that's one thing that I've learned is like having money or not having money is really just a symptom of what your where your mindset really is. You know, because if you have the mindset that 
you know, I was born broke and I'm going to stay that way. Yes, Dean, I love that. Love that each person definitely has to do what works for them. Um, but like I said, it, it definitely goes back to the mindset because like I was raised in a household where they said, oh, money doesn't grow on trees. And, you know, if you ask for something, what do you think I'm made of money? Like, you know, and it'll it'll put these things into your subconscious that, oh, man, money is hard to get. Money is hard to maintain. Money is, you know, hard to come by. When you get it, you've got to hold on to it. And that's that's not the way to actually think to be able to get to that point that you want. You know, because at that point, you're thinking from a, a scarcity mindset. Right. You know, you're not thinking from an abundance mindset. The only way that you can get more of it is to actually use it. You know, money is a tool. And that's one thing that they don't teach us in school. Money is not like the end all be all. Right. It's a tool. You have to learn how to use a tool. Same way, like if you've got a hammer sitting in your in your, you know, in your kitchen or something and you're trying to hang up a picture frame, you just stand in there trying to do the picture frame with a spoon is not going to do it because you have the wrong tool. Right. But you've got to actually take that tool out and use it to be able to, you know, do the things that you want to do. Right. Right. So yes, mindset, working on the mindset, said all that to say, working on the mindset is definitely the first thing that has to be done. Because there's so much negative programming that's done to us, even subconsciously. Um, And I'm sure that a lot of our parents, they didn't realize it. Like, I'm sure my dad didn't realize, you know, they're saying, hey, I'm not made of money or money didn't grow on trees. He didn't mean anything, you know buy it but that's like that's how he felt you know and those ideas seeped into my subconscious so doing the the work to actually unlearn some of those negative behaviors is definitely important yes i mean if you if you even go dive deeper when i've spoken to people it's you know ancestral it's you know when family has been through the depression and then farther back and you know all the way back mm-hmm. If you think of this whole concept of, you know, to get a little deep when we're just, we're all DNA. So (laughs) as we're born, we carry the lineage of our family. So uh, it can be, it can go that far back. Mm -hmm. But how do you work with people? So this word, when I hear the word financial literacy, I think of, I think of my son in school. It's such a good class. Mm -hmm. They tortured the teacher, (laughs) this poor teacher, like he could hardly get a word in edgewise because he wasn't really teaching, I don't think, to what they were interested in. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, my son's like, if they taught me information on like measuring out weed, he's like, I would have understood it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be relatable with these kids. You got to be relatable. <laughs> I'm like, just saying, but um, financial literacy, how do you how do you communicate this with your clients? and help set them up for success? I think that it's really just, it's a matter of learning the basics. You know, a lot of times like we hear that things like investing is so important and then people are like, okay, well, where do I start? How does that work? How do I do it? You know, um, starting with things that we have, you know, a lot of us, we have student loan debt, but we don't understand it. You know, you might have borrowed $20,000, but then you look at your credit report and it's saying that you owe 35 and you're like, well, how is that even possible? And then you have to get into, you know, interest and and different concepts that actually, you know, build up to where you are right now. Um, So I think that it definitely starts with understanding the financials that we currently have. Everybody has a credit score. You should know what your credit score is. 
you should know the things that kind of, you know, that go into it. Um, so really starting at the, like the very basics, you know, because they don't teach us about that stuff in school. They teach us how to add. They teach us how to multiply. They teach us how to, you know, make sure your change is right, you know, and all those things. But nobody told me, like, when I got my first job that, hey, you're going to lose, you know, a third of your income to taxes. Like, literally, when I got my first check, I called my mama and I was like, mama, who is FICA and how do I contact them because they seem to think that they earned some of my money but I remember clocking in for all of these 37 hours and they didn't do any of it so why did they get my money like you know what I mean so starting with the things that we deal with you know you, you don't have to go to these super high level concepts to start understanding money, you have to start with the things that you currently have and start understanding and decoding those things. Mm, I love that. That's so true. Who's FICA? Yeah, I'm why the number? Because <laughs> I'm gonna need to reach out to somebody. I'm gonna have eight people call my people because something is wrong. Uh, <laughs> was not feeling that. Was not I love that. I love that. But I think that is a very important point to start with what you have because we often. Because uh, it can be very overwhelming. So when people come to you, there's this sense of we we spoke about mindset. There's very there's so much. It's so much to do with that. But when they come to you and they're just like, Morgan, I don't even know where to start. Like, I am so overwhelmed. I'm just so overwhelmed. Mm hmm. So then how do you break down these steps? Like you're saying here, yes, let's start from the beginning. How do you break this down? Do you help them first with the mindset aspect of first, let's kind of like breathe a little bit and let's, or do you, how do you do it with them? So here's the thing. I'm actually, I'm a part of a company called MWR Financial. It stands for Make Wealth Real, right? And I love the company that I partner with because they have experts to help walk you through all of these stages, right? So the first thing is to have a conversation figure out where we are, right? Once you know where you are, and I can then I start pointing them into the right direction. Um, but like our group is awesome because we constantly talk about mindset. You know, we don't just speak about the money and, hey, what's your credit score today? And, hey, what's your debt looking like? No, like, no, we have those real, you know, conversations like, all right, guys, this is the, this is the you know, kind of the things that we need to start looking at. Um so I think that that's, that's definitely important, but letting them know like, hey, there's options out here. Because a lot of times we get overwhelmed because we think that we have to do everything ourselves. We were mm -hmm. taught, you know, independence growing up. You can't do it yourself, then it doesn't need to be done. And that's not true. Like, that's not how wealthy people work. You know, if you can't do something, they outsource it. You know, so we teach people how to be able to actually outsource that to a group of people that can really help them with that. Um, and then I do also do some side stuff too. I'm working on a um, on a budget plan. Well, I'm not gonna call it a budget planner. Some people may call it a budget planner, but I'm gonna call it a cash flow tracker because that's really what we need to worry about. It's not necessarily the income, but it's what does your cash flow look like? And that's a word that people don't talk about is cash flow because that's actually how long your money is staying with you. Um, so I'm working on that tracker to be able to help people actually write down what they have coming in, what they have going out, what they can eliminate, how much they're putting towards savings and how much they're able to start putting towards those different things. Yeah. So 
working on some more things to um, be able to release to help people guide through that process. Um, but right now it's really connecting them to a service that can help walk them through those steps so that they don't get overwhelmed. Um, and then, of course, there's all kind of books and things out there that you can read and audibles that you can listen to and stuff, you know, to start making yourself a little bit more comfortable with money, because that's really what it is. People don't talk about money, so it's uncomfortable when somebody brings it up. Yeah. You know, well, what, what with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What audible um, if you were going to pick one audible to suggest that people listen to, what would you suggest? I would suggest uh, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. Okay. That would be that would definitely be one audible that I would uh, suggest because it helps with the mindset, which is the first thing that you have to start working on. Um, in that book, he talked about one guy that he was working with, and this man made millions of dollars. Like every month, he made a ton of money, and every month, at the end of the month, he was broke. And it was like, how is that even possible? Right? Yeah. And in the in the book, he starts talking about how, well, you know, when this guy was younger, his mom would always tell him, you know, that um money doesn't that people with money are evil. Hmm. So he made sure subconsciously that he didn't have money because if he actually had money and kept the money, yeah. then he would be evil you know what i mean so that would definitely be one thing that i would start with um another one just to throw out there i know you asked for one but i'm gonna give you guys a bonus um i would say rich dad poor dad because it's a book about uh by robert kiyosaki who is awesome um but robert kiyosaki grew up with his dad working you know a regular job now his friend his best friend's dad was an entrepreneur so he worked with his you know, with his uh, best friend's dad to actually learn more about money and more about how it works and, you know, the mindset. So reading that story is great too, because it shows you how somebody can come from the same, you know, from the same position, almost how your mindset ends up getting you to a different point and the different things that you need to learn along the way. So that would be another one that I would definitely uh, recommend. Mm, Thank you for that. Really, really appreciate it. Um, Those... I, I'm sorry. I, I don't have a book. I have a book suggestion. Yeah. Okay. This is it. And okay. then we can move on to the next one. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, you're good. There's a book called Stop How Money Works. Stop Being a Sucker. Now, before you say anything, I did not make the book. So don't get mad at me for the title. Okay. <laughs> I always have to tell people that this is not my book. I did not do this. Um, but it's true because it breaks down a lot of these different concepts that people need to know. Um, even to what financial literacy is and how it impacts not just us here in the U.S., but how it impacts people across the world. Mm-hmm. You know, how it's such a huge thing and what happens when you don't understand money, because when you don't understand it, then people are able to take advantage of you. These corporations, these banks, you know, all the things when you what you don't know can't hurt you. A lot of times they say what you don't know can't hurt you. Yeah, it can. When you when it comes to your money. Oh, yes, it can. Yeah. You can yeah. sign on the dotted line for a loan that, you know, was $500 when you started. You end up paying back three grand because what you didn't know can actually hurt you. So that would be uh, my book suggestion. I haven't seen that on Audible yet. Mm, Morgan, that's wonderful. Really, really appreciate that. I also started reading um, uh, I'm a Badass, the I'm a Badass series. And one of them is I'm a Badass with Money. Mm. 
And like she, yeah, she's great because she just, she has a sense of humor. She puts things in very understandable terms mm -hmm. and is very relatable because she's been through it. So uh, yeah, I just like reading and listening to books that uh, make me feel something. Mm -hmm. If it's too textbooky, you lost me at page one. Yeah. You know. I'll tell you the the stop being um how many works stop being a sucker that book is like kid friendly mm. like they should give that book to high schoolers it has pictures in it it has like great explanations it breaks down things in an easy to way understand in an easy to understand way yeah um, you know so it, it has charts all of those things to where it's easy to digest. Cause that's another thing with money is like people are scared of it because it's so much it's like i don't understand compound interest just tell me what i owe like you know what i mean just just tell me what it is i don't i don't know i don't understand all that stuff um so putting it in a way that people can understand is definitely important because if you don't understand it there's no way that you can implement it and then there's also no way that you can retain it well, there's an intimidation in there because yeah. when people start using these big words and speaking in like just uh, when it's too much, people get overwhelmed and then they get embarrassed because they're like, well, I don't want to feel stupid and asking the question because then, yeah, so they don't. So people don't, we don't say anything. Exactly. And I think that it also comes down to a thing of pride as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it can it can hurt to admit that you don't know what you're doing with your money. But one thing that I always like to let people know is that it's not your fault. It's not. You yeah. weren't fault. The schools didn't teach us. Your mama and daddy didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, right. you've got to ask those questions, you know? So it, it comes down to us having to be uh, able to be vulnerable and being able to connect with the right people that can give us those answers and not look at us like, you don't know what that means? Really? You right. know, nobody... Nobody wants to feel like that, you know? So um, I always try to definitely be, you know, open and relatable and vulnerable and transparent with people and let them know, like, you're not the only one. You know, if you had met me two, three years ago and asked me about money, girl, what? No, no, I can't teach you anything because I'm learning. You know what I mean? But Taking those baby steps, taking the, the little steps can start helping you also build up your confidence with, you know, with dealing with certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for this conversation. It just, I think it's very helpful and I think it's important conversations to have for growth and please anybody, um, those joining us live, feel free to ask questions as we have this conversation. Um, because we're here and we can answer. So yeah. very happy that you're here. So, <clears throat> Morgan, as we're getting to the top of the hour, which is crazy, let's move on a little bit to learn more about you as a person and how it could be through you as a person and then your work. How do you incorporate more creativity into your own life? So um, because money is one of those topics that people don't really like to talk about, I like to do things that are going to be educational, but also entertainment like entertaining, right? Call it edutainment. Edutainment. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was my word. Because you're like, nobody, you know, we're grown. Like 
everybody is grown. Nobody wants to sit down in a class and be like, this is what we're going to learn today. No, I want to laugh and learn at the same time. You know, I like to have fun. I don't feel like it should be like a boring and strict and up and down kind of thing, you know? Um, so I do, especially on Instagram, I'm getting more so back into my Facebook. Um, but I've really been in my Instagram community. I've created so many reels that are just like, they're entertaining. They have my kids being a part of it. Um, my daughter is like all over my Instagram page. I feel like I need to make her her own page because she's got a whole fan club within my community. Like she really and truly does. Every time she pops on, she's like, can I say hi, mommy? Um, <laughs> she always wants to tell people, can I tell them what to do with the money? That's her thing. It's like, y'all what to do with the money. So mm -hmm. I, um, I made a reel of that one time of like when she jumped in on the live and she's like, can I tell them what to do with the money? I said, sure, Lydia, you can tell them. So I hold her up on the camera and she's like, you got to save the money. You got to make the money and you got to grow the money all at the same time. She's five. Oh my God. What you are teaching her to then share with the world and grow up with. What a freaking gift. Right. So, you know, I, I, and it's crazy because I didn't even realize that she was like learning these things. She just sits down when I'm on my zoom calls. Um, she just sits down and she'll be sitting there listening. And like when she sees me take out a piece of paper and I'm taking down notes and she's like grabbing a piece of paper and doing the same thing, even though she's kind of doing it, kind of not, it's still getting her in the, you know, in the habit of doing it. Um, so I definitely add my kids in for the creativity piece because people need to see like it's not just about us. It's about, you know, educating the next generation as well, because um, if they have that education early on, they're going to be set up earlier in life to be able to succeed even more than what I'm able to do. Oh my gosh. You know? Yes. My, uh, my son, who's, <clears throat> he's a 22 year old. He said, he's like, I wish that I knew earlier about investing mm -hmm. because he started investing when he's about 20. He's like, but if I was investing when I was like 10 with any money that I made, yep. he's like, I'd be in such a better place than I am now. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. And speaking on that too, another great thing, um, this, it's kind of off topic, but it's still on topic because mm -hmm. we're talking about kids investing early. Yeah. Um, being a business owner, and this is one little, like a little known fact. So y'all please tell your friends, let them know. Um, but when you have a business, you can legally hire your kids between the ages of seven and 17 as employees for your business. Right. So I have a home-based business. So one of the things that I would be able to hire my kids for once they get to that age, of course, my daughter is going to be one of my social media managers. Um, so she's going to have that job. And then also, you know, like cleaning up around the house. Yes, it may be a chore, but if I'm a business owner, this is a business. You're cleaning the home office. You're working. You know what I mean? Instead of just giving them allowance where they're just getting money for you know, for nothing, it puts them in the mindset of, okay, I've got to do the work to be able to earn something. And instead of you actually paying that money directly to the kid, what you can do is actually put that into a savings fund for them. And then that way, because legally you can pay them up to $1,000 per month, um, because I think the legal the limit is $12,000. Under $12,000, you don't have to pay taxes on it. So as long as you keep it under that amount, you can pay them up to $1,000 a month, not actually give a seven-year-old $1,000, y'all. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> pay them up 
$1,000 and put it into a savings fund for them. That way, when it's time to buy school supplies and it's time to buy school uniforms and, you know, they're in all of these different activities, you can pull that money from there. And the benefit of that is that one, you got the tax break because you paid it to them as an employee. And two, that money is actually sitting over here somewhere waiting to be used by that child when you know that they're going to need it. Because I'm telling you, a kid costs more than $1,000 a month. Like, very expensive, you know, and then you've got holidays and you've got birthdays and all these things they want to go do, you know, so it's a way for you to be able to, um, to kind of teach them about those things early on. And then you can start helping them, you know, there are debit cards and different systems and things like that out there that'll help you be able to actually teach them how to manage that money early on. Um, so I think that those things are, that's, something that's like super important because think about it if you start putting away twelve thousand dollars a year for your kid when they're seven by the time they're 18 that money has grown if you've got it in the right place you know that twelve thousand dollars a year is not just twelve thousand dollars anymore it's compounding interesting so i am gonna ask something and there's a part of me in this i'm like i'm a little embarrassed but is there is there child labor laws like in that whole thing was saying that you can pay your child from seven to 17. I get like the teenage years, but yeah. Is there anything that relates to that? I mean, it's my business. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean like my own, not like my business, like it's personal, but I mean like my business, like I'm a business owner. You know, if I open the donut shop, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, my kid can't come in here and work. Now, I'm not working them 12 hours a day. I'm not saying that. You know what I mean? But you can give them little responsibilities, things that they should be doing anyway. If you're at home, you don't want to be the only one cleaning up, especially if your kid is 10 and they know how to sweep the floor. They know how to mop the dishes. They not mop the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mop the dishes, guys. They know how to mop the floors and they know right. how to wash dishes. And, you know, there's different things that people pay their kids allowance for anyway. It's true. You know what I mean? So I don't think that there would be anything wrong with it um, because it, it teaches them about those things early on. Now, if you try and send your 10 year old to McDonald's and get them a job. Yeah, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, but when it's yours. But when it's yours, it's a little different. And yes, DMAC is correct. For that tip that I just gave a minute ago about hiring your kids, you definitely have to have some phenomenal record keeping. Um, That's one thing that I also love about with what we do. It's just a complete program. So it comes with a system for you to actually track all of that stuff. It even comes with a payroll service through ADP where you can actually pay your kids and put it on a check stub to where you've got all of these records and things like that along the way. Um, so we do offer the the service for that. But the general tip, most people never even thought about it. You know, like my mentors are like, man, my kids are like in their 20s. Where was this when I was raising four kids at the house? Like, you know how much money I could have saved, you know? Right. So, right. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good tip to know. There are definitely some, you know, little stars under there. You've got to do your record keeping. you got to make sure that you're doing it the correct way. Um, but there is a way to actually do it. Mm, love this. Wow. So <clears throat> great tips. Let's, I've been asking each of my guests lately, and I just like to hear the variation in it. Do you have, I know you have young kids. Do you have any kind of a morning routine? 
So, <laughs> interesting that you ask. <laughs> I am actually working on it um, because my kids, until a Early last month, until the early part of April, my kids had been home with me for like 18 months. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they had been home for like 18 months. So uh, we didn't really have a strict routine at that point. You know, because at the time I was a single mom raising two little ones. I'm like, if y'all are going to sleep, sleep. When you get up, you'll eat. You know, we'll do different things that way. But I'm in the process of now developing a morning routine now that they are back in school. They have a certain time to get up. You know, we eat breakfast, take them to school, let them do what they've got to do. Um, I'm also starting to work out more. So I've been going back riding after I drop them off. And then I come home and take care of a couple of things um, with the business. Mm-hmm. Whether you know, reaching out, networking, posting some kind of reel or, you know, um something like that. Something related to business. Yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting because I find with the whole morning routine, which it's it doesn't even necessarily have to be morning. I think with putting in I kind of relate it to just self care mm-hmm. or some kind of me time to catch a breath because I've really been becoming more aware of that fact. And we hear this a gazillion times, like don't just go and grab your phone and actually have some gratitude. I think Les Brown, it sticks in my head that uh, I heard him speak. And the first thing he says, well, wakes up and just kind of uh, reflection and quiet time. And then when he puts his feet on the ground, one foot says, thank. And the other one says you. Mm. Because waking up and having another day and putting two feet on the ground is is a gift. Mm-hmm. So it is. It definitely so, is. So it's little things like that. They don't have to be huge. I had somebody else who also said, which I love, she wakes up and the dogs wake her up to be let outside. So takes the dogs out at six in the morning, opens the door. This is the routine every morning. She grabs her thing that she's drinking and uh, stands at the door and just observes nature and just takes it in and breathes and then goes and puts on music. Mm-hmm. Now, I love that um, because music is definitely one of those things that you can wake up and it can put, it can help boost your mood, right? It can help put you in a, um, in a mindset of gratitude. Uh, I also have the, the Bible app on my phone as well. Um, so it pops up a verse of the day every day. Mm. And it also does, uh, have you ever heard of it? No. What? Girl, you've got Oh my God, it's amazing. Um, Because it gives you the verse of the day and then it goes through and it actually has someone explaining it. It's like a one to two minute video, you know, where they recap the verse and then they kind of like break it down. And then it has like a, you know, the next thing is like a question. How can I apply this verse, you know, in my life today? Or how can I use this? you know, what I just learned, how can I use that? Uh, and then it gives you a little devotional and then you see the scripture again. And then that's, you know, that's like a five to 10 minute, you know, thing that you can do. Um, and it's great because it changes every day and it, I don't know how, but every day it seems to speak to just what I need. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. All these little tidbits are amazing, amazing tools. And uh, DMAC, thank you for all of that, uh, all that you're sharing out. Much appreciated uh, in, in your comments. Um, Definitely. Yeah. 
Yes, and yes, the cat, the child cannot just wash dishes. It does have to be related to the business, um, which is why I was mentioning, you know, that she would be like one of my social media, mar- you know, managers. Because she does stuff like that. Um, you know, but there also can be some things that they can do around the house, especially if you have a home-based business that would be need to be done anyway. You know, if I had a brick and mortar business, the floor would still need to be swept. You know, that's that's work. You know, so there are things that they can do that may look as chores, but they also can double as being business related as well. Yeah. But definitely, you know, get with your CPA. That's why I tell people, don't just take my word for it. Get with you a CPA. That way they can, you know, tell you exactly how to kind of go about doing these things and how to track it and, um, you know, how to make sure that you are doing what you need to do on the financial side because nobody wants a, you know, a pushback from the IRS. That's nobody wants that. Exactly. Nobody wants that. So as we're getting to the top of the hour, the third and final question is everything we've been talking about, but it's kind of wrapping it up and putting a nice little bow on it, which is. Why do you think creativity is important? I think it's important because I'm not listening to just in the box. You don't want to just be in the box. You know, if if someone is doing everything that's just the norm, it's it's boring for me. Like I need to be entertained. And creativity is a great way to to be able to um, entertain and also kind of open people up to. Um, and when there's no creativity, it feels more like a, a lecture versus, yes. you know, it, it being a conversation or it being entertaining or it being something that's educational, but not so educational to where it like puts you to sleep. So I think that creativity is definitely important, especially when it comes to money, because it's one of those topics that people don't really want to discuss, um, but it needs to be discussed. Because that's the only way to be able to change it. You know, you said that it it starts kind of in our DNA. It is, you know, Um, it definitely is. So to be able to kind of change that, you've got to have something that's not so normal. You know what I mean? Because wealth is not normal. Like there's very few wealthy people in this country. Poverty is normal. You know, so you need to be a little creative to get out of that box, get off of that hamster wheel that they've kind of normalized. I love that. That's, uh, yeah, such an important point that I just kind of want to lead into. How can people connect with you, Morgan? So um, they can connect with me definitely on Instagram. Uh, My Instagram name is Moms Mastering Money. Because that is the goal, not just for me to be a mama master and her money, but for me to help other moms be able to do the same thing. Because um, when we have kids, man, they're, they're looking up to us. They're learning from us. You know, the things that we do or don't do, they're learning from that. Um, so definitely connect with me on Instagram. And then I also have a text community as well. I meant to put that in the um I meant to put that in the in the bio that I sent over to you. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, but that text community, you can text me at 937-588-6466. And I can type that in here as well. Yeah, that'd be um, great. Text community. And then that way you can be added to uh, to that list. And then there's always a way, you know, you can always text me or 
you know, get the text messages when I send them out. Um, but I typically use that community to like right now I'm in the process of doing a couple of surveys um, to figure out whether people want to continue on with just the text community or whether we should move to like a Facebook group. You know, that way people have the option to be able to ask those questions and whatnot. Um, so I, I put that information in there. That way you can send that on over. Um, but yeah, that's a great way to, to connect with me. And then Instagram is always there as well. Are you that way can see some of the other things that I, uh, some of the other things that I do. Yeah. Ways I use that edutainment I was talking about. Are you on Clubhouse also? I am on Clubhouse. Um, my Clubhouse name is Mom's Master Money because apparently Mom's Mastering Money was just too long for Clubhouse. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Mom's Master Money on Clubhouse is my name over there as well. Perfect. So I'm Morgan Cleveland. Type it in on Facebook or Clubhouse. You'll be able to find me. Morgan, thanks for hanging out with us and chatting. So appreciate you. No problem. I greatly appreciate you and this platform and for having me and allowing me to be able to share today um, some of the things that I've been able to learn and how I've been able to use my creativity to help people bridge this gap because financial literacy is literally the key to helping close it and then keeping it closed, right? You've got to close it one family at a time and it starts with our mindset. So I appreciate you for allowing me to be a part of this conversation today. Oh my gosh, it's leading into my clothes. This space is all about inspiring each other and connecting and sharing stories. That's what it's all about. So that's why we have these conversations. So please like, follow, share so we can really spread the word. And I feel like we've always needed it, but I think we need it now more than ever. Uh, it's just so, so powerful. So wherever you are listening in the world, we wish you a good morning a good afternoon and a good evening. And we'll be speaking again soon. So thanks so much, everybody. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh, be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out explore our experiential kits they have everything in them that you need to try new things you don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore there's creative shui which is seven elements to join happiness through the publishing house express yourself publishing multi-author books coffee books solo book opportunities it is all about expression all about it and it's again just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't, we are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out, the links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link and you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short, just click it, see what it's about. 
There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So IamCreativePhilly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story because we all have one.